1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
0: Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey, what's up, big dog? How was your weekend? We we're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. I uh, didn't really have a weekend, I was working like every day. Oh. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to some work on Monday too. Actually, dude, is there anything worse than laboring on Labor Day? Dude, I know it's terrible. What's up with that? <laughs> um, my next like full day off is going to be like two Sundays away. So we're looking forward to that day. Yeah, I mean we are into the thick of yeah, you know KU
2: high school sports, all kinds of different stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, a lot going on. But um,
0: yeah. you know, it's a good weekend for me. I hope. Yeah, I hope you at least. Oh no, it's still a fun weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Busy, but fun. You know, those yeah. two things can coincide. And certainly it was that KU kicked it off Friday night. They won 48 to 17 against Missouri State. Obviously, uh, probably storyline number one from the game is what happens at quarterback or what's going to happen or, yeah. you know, everything. So yeah. I, I, I want to spend a lot of time talking about but But before we do go full bore on the quarterback position, let's quickly get the other stuff out of the way. Uh, some big takeaways from the game. First of all, you dominated the line of scrimmage. Yeah. yeah. Well, offense and defensive. Uh the offensive line was great. Um I, Andy Kolonicki said today, like there there were like barely any, if if any, like basically pressures from the other team that really affected things for the yeah. quarterback. Yeah. They did well there. They opened up giant lanes in the running game. You ran all it didn't matter which running back was in there. You yeah. were running there all were, over there.
2: There were sometimes where the Run game did get kind of stuffed, but it wasn't necessarily because of the offensive line, I felt like.
0: Well, that's what Andy Colen, like he said today. He yeah. said there were a few plays that we ran that were uh – he, it, it sounded like he was kind of blaming himself. He said that I kind of ran into like the teeth of the defense or you know, ran into a, a situation that we shouldn't have ran that play into. Yeah. Um. But when they had the right look, like they were just kind of dominating there. He obviously did run the ball well. Jason Bean, after maybe an inconsistent start a little bit, uh, really got it going on the the drive where they were down 10-7 to 7 and they needed a response, and he did. Hits the deep ball, Lawrence Arnold. Yep. Hits the touchdown to Luke Grimm. Obviously, that was unfortunate that Luke Grimm got injured there. He's questionable for this week. Um, Doug Emelian might have a bigger role, are, so we'll wait and see he there. Aggravated
2: an injury that he was maybe already dealing with. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but he was good overall, and and when he needed to make those big plays like that drive, he was able to do that. Uh, the defense was solid in this game. You only give up yeah. 17 points. Seven of them came after the fumble from Daniel Hyshaw Overall, this is this is what you're supposed to do when you play an FCS opponent. When you play a lesser team, make them look like a lesser team. Outsize them. Out physical them. Out strength them. Dominate the game, and they did.
2: Yeah, I thought the D-line was really impressive with what they were able to do. They did a pretty good job of controlling the line of scrimmage. They got some pressure. I think only one sack in the game, but they did a pretty good job of getting some pressure as well. And and honestly, Missouri State's quarterback, uh, Jacob Clark, he was doing the classic three-step drop, first reason not open, yeah. scramble. <laughs> so uh, that was, he read and go. <laughs> so that was his strategy. Uh, so Kate did a pretty good job. I do think, and, and actually uh, Brian Borland mentioned this, and we'll get to that audio at some point too, about with the D line, there was some times where it felt like Clark was able to scramble, I thought, too yes. easily out of the pocket to where There's the one you were big not play. Yeah, like you were you were not life. doing as good of a job maybe of maintaining pass rush lanes. And there were times where he where he was able to step into the pocket and scramble fairly easily. So that's something to keep an eye on. But other than that, I, I thought the pass rush was was really solid. The defensive line was pretty impressive. Uh, they're going to have a real challenge coming up against Illinois. This will be the first game where I think you can really say one way or the other definitively if how good the defensive line might be. But solid first game for them. J.B. Brown played quite a bit. Didn't really have any big plays, but, you know, played pretty well, I thought. Uh, Quentin Lasseter was the one that really stood out to me the most in the secondary. Kobe Bryant got his, also got his interception. So uh, that's that's good for him. But yeah, so I was pretty impressed with the defense overall. I thought they played pretty well. Uh, and again, I, with the offense, they did what I was, they did what I was expecting, right? They they moved the ball pretty easily at times. They had big ran, lanes for running backs. There was a couple of busted coverages by Missouri State that KU took advantage of. Uh, Jason Bean was accurate, but you know a little inconsistent, which is what exactly what he was last season. You know there were a couple throws. There was one uh, I can't remember who was, who is he throwing to, where it was uh, pretty badly underthrown, and he, and the receiver came back and still caught it. I'm trying to remember what it was. You know what they kept running? What? They kept running the fake bubble screen wheel routes. They ran that like four times, and it never really worked. <laughs> I mean, they still hit the play down the field, but it did, the the design of the play didn't always work.
0: Maybe they're just trying to put it on tape so that Illinois is like, oh, we have to watch the wheel route, and then they just hit the, the bubble screens. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Yeah, so the offense did exactly what I thought they were going to do. Devin Neal was great. Dylan McDuffie was great, which I guess maybe was something I paid attention to Mm-hmm. Savion Morrison, my boy, he scored. So yeah, the offense did what they were supposed to do. The defense played probably better than I was expecting. I think I think I remember my score prediction was
0: fifty-two to twenty. So I was I was pretty close. Yeah, to be honest, hate, hate to brag, but <laughs> I was pretty close. You did well. No, I mean, so like Pro Football Focus, because like you're right, the one sack. I I don't know that you like. There were a couple plays where I definitely noticed the the get off, but I'm looking at Pro Football Focus. He, the, the quarterback Jacob Clark threw twenty one times. You had thirteen hurries. You had five quarterback hits. Yeah. So more than half the time he was throwing, there was a QB hurry. That that'll work. That'll yeah. play.
2: And their running back Jacardia Wright is a proven running back. Fifteen carries, twenty three yards.
0: Yeah, could do good. anything. Which is kind of interesting because the the tackling number is not good for Kansas. They missed uh, for for some of the players. Fourteen tackles <laughs> for some of the players. The tackling grades are pretty bad. As a team, they're in the forties. They missed 13 tackles. That's not going <laughs> to cut it this week against Illinois. But also, I have a little more hope on that number because a lot of times week one will just be poor tackling. It's the first week of the season. Yeah. You, you have to figure yeah. that stuff you've, out. You know, you've been going not game speed and practice for the last six yeah. months. Now, if that is a problem this week against Illinois, you're going to have a problem. Probably. Yes. Yeah. But I, I do expect that to get better from last week to this week. Okay. So that's that's most of the other stuff. Uh, the quarterback saga continued. The 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 saga of trying to figure out what is happening continued. Yep. Jalen Daniels was announced as the starter yep. on the big. This was very David Beatty esque video video board game. Yes, this was very David Beatty video board game from the staff. Jalen Daniels announced starter on the big board. He went through warmups. He was a captain. He was. He was out there for the coin toss. Jason Bean starts the game. Jalen Daniels does not play. Yep. And then here comes Mister Bean. Yeah. Um before i guess we get into what this means long term and and where we're at with this saga back and forth we should probably at least a little bit discuss more in depth like how jason bean played how he performed i thought for the most part he, he, did, was very good. Well. Was he did very well there were still the differences well. where you did notice with Jalen Daniels, it's this. With Jason Bean, it's this. Like, the the throw into triple coverage to Jared Casey, that was not ideal. It ended <laughs> up being incomplete, so it was fine. <laughs> he also threw into double coverage to Casey later in the game. Um, there was a one play where uh, it was in the, I want to say, first quarter when he didn't wait long enough to pitch it to Devin Neal. I think that was on the drive that they got stopped on the fourth down. And just little plays like that that kind of add up um, yeah. that are the difference between those two guys. But Except also at in- the same point in time, if you – if you just acted like Jalen Daniels wasn't a thing, he just never came to KU or whatever, right? Jason Bean and what he has done for Kansas in the time that he has come in, Jason Bean has been KU's best quarterback since Todd Reesing. Yes. Minus Jalen Daniels. Yes. So it's funny because it's like... Minus Jalen Daniels and maybe like, what, half a season of
2: Carter Stanley maybe? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. But with Jason Bean, you're getting multiple years of it now, whereas yeah. with Carter Stanley, it was you know the last nine, ten games of that season. With Jason Bean... You have this guy who, if you just plopped him in to KU football in 2014 or 2016 or whatever, he would be viewed in such a popular light. For, not that he's not. Like, KU fans, I think, think still like him and yeah. understand that he's been good in his role and everything. But they would view him in a whole nother level than if he had to play with Jalen Daniels right now, where it's like, yeah, Jason Bean's good, but Jalen, that guy's really good. It'll be like, you know, whatever quarterback has to go after Patrick Mahomes. The guy yeah. who goes after Patrick Mahomes could end up being like the seventh best quarterback in the NFL every year, and it's still gonna feel like imagine, oh this.
2: Stinks. Imagine Derek Carr,
0: like right. a version of Derek. Like Derek Carr. Carr's fine. Yes, for for most teams, he's like twelve
2: yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly.
0: But then if and he's a guy who probably had, get you to yeah. the playoffs,
2: but if he's following Patrick Mahomes, then it's like this guy stinks. Right. So, I I don't know, just kind of interesting, but I don't know what what did you think of Jason Bean? Okay, a couple things. I think what you were discussing there. I'll say this. Number one. I think part of it also is that Jason Bean's leadership style is just very, very different than Jalen Daniels, right? He's not as much of a vocal guy. I mean, Jalen Daniels, for a couple of weeks, yeah. was not only the face of the K-4 program, but almost the face of college football with everything he was doing. That's not Jason Bean. He's much more reserved. He's much more a laid-back guy. And, you know, the reality situation is Jason Bean, in his first year with Kansas, was the starter for a team that really struggled. Not, 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 not because of him. Not by his fault, but you know, I, I don't know if people still hold that against him too because he was on a, He was the, he's been the starter for a team that that you know in Lance Lightpole's first year wasn't very good, so I don't know. I thought Jason Bean played very very well against Missouri State. My big takeaway, my overarching takeaway was, I thought that Jason Bean was trying very very hard to run the plays as executed. It didn't seem to me as though he maybe was looking to be creative or do things outside of the play design. It seemed to me as though he was running the plays as and doing exactly what Cole wants the play to do, right? Which with this, there was a couple plays where, you yeah. know, it was the like I said they were running that bubble the fake bubble screen with the wheel routes. There was a couple times where Bean pumped to the to the bubble screen and was just throwing it to the wheel route and it felt like he was going to throw it to the wheel route no matter what the situation was. I think I think he was trying very, very hard to run the plays as they were supposed to be run and not be very creative, not try to do too much. That's kind of what I felt like. And I I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that was kind of my big thought process on it. And he played very, very well. I mean he's you know, he's the most he's the fastest player on the field whenever he's on the field. So he can do a lot of different things with his legs. We know he's got a great arm, he's got good arm strength, the accuracy sometimes is there, decision making sometimes isn't there, but I mean, he he played about as well as I think you could ask him to play in this first game. I mean, you know, completed over sixty five percent of his passes, almost over two hundred seventy five yards. Didn't throw an interception. Didn't have the one bad pass that maybe could have been intercepted, but didn't turn it over. So he did everything you, he did everything you asked him to do. I think the question for me is if Jason Bean is going to be a starter going right. forward, is he still going to have that same mentality, or is he going to try to? Because I think what What takes Jalen to another level is Jalen does have that creative uh, gene, that creative ability. And Jason Bean, I think, has it too. But I think in this particular game against Missouri State, he was trying very, very hard to just play within whatever play was called and not do anything else.
0: Yeah, I think that with Jason Bean, you're a team that can make a bowl game. Uh, if, you, if you run the ball as well as you you de- do yeah. and the offensive line's that good and you have the skill players around you, and if the and special teams are even slightly better, you can still make a bowl game with Jason Bean. But if you want to win those eight, nine games, like the ceiling-type seasons, those involve Jalen Daniels. And that's where this whole interest about, you know, who's the starter and what's going on here comes into play because I said this on Friday. I felt like if Jalen Daniels did not go in the game, it was going to be very drastic for me in how I viewed what this season could be for KU because clearly that would be an indication that there, this is a big deal and that despite kind of all the talk along the way about it not being a big deal, it is a big deal. I mean, yeah, it's the big-to-offensive player of the year. Right. Yeah, so it would be a big deal if it was any other team besides Kansas. Here's what Lance Leipold had to say after the game on Jalen Daniels, how he's feeling, why he didn't play.
3: All right, he's feeling better. Okay, Jalen's feeling better, but it wasn't enough practice reps to feel comfortable that we made a decision to go with Jason, and uh, we'll see what how we go
1: from there. Okay.
0: Okay. So not enough practice reps to feel comfortable, so we went with Jason. But here's the thing: they put in Cole Ballard after Jason, and here's the other thing: last Monday, what did Lance Leipold say? If they're available, if they're available, they're going to play. Yes. So either he well, was or he wasn't available, because if he was available, listen. he would have played, which means he's not available because it wasn't just about practice reps.
2: I mean, I have maintained this this whole time. With a back injury, you can be fine one day, and the next day you can Maybe that's move, what happened. Okay, you. sure. So I, I, I think maybe Lance might have jumped the gun last week and just making that a blanket statement that he was going to play. Because with these types of injuries, you just don't know.
0: You just don't but know. also if you go back, we talked about this. He didn't actually say Jalen Daniels would be the starter. He kind of talked around he it. Said a bit. He was going to play. He did, but it he, he was kind of in a, in a loose way. Now I also asked Jason Bean after the game when he found out he'd be the starter. Here's what he had to say.
1: Uh, you know, it's been in the works you know, for a little bit, and um, you know that's just something I'm going to keep between you know me and Lightpole.
0: Okay, so kind of private about that, but it's been in the works. Now that that could be anything. But that implies to me it was more than just Friday morning we told you it was going to be the starter. It's yeah, been the I works mean, implies to me that this kind of was the plan that week of that Jalen was not going to be the guy. It definitely could have been.
2: I, I, I think you could also look at that statement from Jason Bean as where, you know, flashback to four weeks ago when uh, Jalen first starts dealing with this injury, maybe Lance Leipold and came and came to Jason Bean and were like, hey, listen, you need to be – practicing and preparing as if you're the starter from here on out because we we don't know necessarily exactly what Jalen's availability is going to be from week to week. So you need to be acting as if you're the starter. You need to be mm-hmm. planning as if you're the starter, which I know, especially like at the NFL level, you hear guys talk about that all the time where – that If you're a backup quarterback, that's how you're supposed to prepare anyways. But maybe they went to him and even said even more about that and were like, hey, listen.
0: Yeah, prepare like is, you're the starter because we don't know how this back injury yeah, going to go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a, very possible. This is a
2: week-to-week thing. Like, we don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah but I I just, I, just, wish that's what they said. I wish that they just came no, out and were like, well, it's, it's just so an of, injury that can flare up at any moment. And so yeah. we're kind of TBD, and that's why we're being so weird about they or secretive about this. That would yeah, make I, more sense. Yeah. Then we hear on Monday, Brett McMurphy has reported Jalen Daniels will start this week. I don't know how much truth is there to that. I don't know because then yesterday, Jalen Daniels and Jason Mean were listed as an or on the depth chart, which was the (laughs) one difference in the depth chart. They went out of their way to put the or on there. So basically, it leaves me feeling with a few possible thoughts. One, Jalen's injury is worse than we think. Two, and or, um, Jalen's injury is going to be something that pops up at different points throughout the season. Which, that's what I think. Yep. Three, and or, Jalen's injury is manageable. Um, but, again, can flare up. Sorry, that was number two. Number three, uh, Lance Leipold actually knows the answer here and doesn't want to give anything away. Probably true. Either is what he believes will be an advantage for the team in games or to get more ticket sales or because he just wants to mess with the media and the other team. Could also be true. And or they are handling it this way because of how the Zach Boyer-Jalen Daniels shoulder injury saga went last I year. I think that's definitely part of it. It could be any of those. It could be all of those. It could be a few of those. But that's where I'm at. I think I'm kind of done taking anybody's word for anything on JD. I'm 100%. at a point where I'm just like, if I see him play Friday, then he'll play, but I'm not going to speculate anymore if he's playing or not. No, I feel the exact same way.
2: It's, a situ- it's To me, it's a situation now anything where— else is lip service and a possible
0: lie. Yeah, I'm not going to believe
2: yeah. really any report until I see Jalen Daniels in uniform, in the game, trotting out there in the first quarter.
0: All right, we're going to be joined by Matt Tate in less than 20 minutes. Coming up on the other side, we got some more of that Lance Leipold postgame audio. This is RCST on KLWN, Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And that time on a Tuesday, we're joined by Matt Tate of R1S1Sports.com. Kansas takes on Illinois this Friday. They just took down Missouri State last Friday, 48-17, to the final score. Matt, when you look back at the game and, and now that we've had time to let things sink in over Labor Day weekend, what to you was the biggest positive for the Jayhawks in that seasoning opening opening win against Missouri State, that you think uh, will translate to the rest of the season?
1: Um, uh, man, good question. There there has been some time to think about that. I, you know, the thing that jumped out at first was the defensive line um, and how aggressive and and quick they looked, and and I think that's a positive sign for sure. But I'm not sure if I'm ready to throw that one into the mix yet, um, just because of the <laughs> excuse me the difference between the types of players they're going to see and, and and the the other offensive lines and things of that nature. So, you know, good to see you, you want them to look good against that D line or against that O line, but we got to see it this week and we got to see it next week. And, and then we might be able to make a little bit more of a read um, permanently for, for, to that point. I mean, I thought the, the biggest thing that stood out to answer your question anyway, I, I really thought it was the fact that all four running backs scored a touchdown. I mean, I don't know that that meant a whole lot. Obviously they didn't need all four touchdowns. They could have, you know, won the game without any of them. But I think that when you've talked all year about this team and the running back depth and, and how talented that is, um, you know, and and how they've talked for the past couple of years about how you're going to need those guys, not just a one-horse thing. You, you need as many healthy bodies as you, as you can get running the football. And so I think the fact that they all four went out there and, Showed something and felt good about it, and came away with some productivity and and all of those things. I, I think that's not only good for those those backs, but it's also a good sign for the O line. They, you know, they can walk away and and feel good about the fact that it doesn't matter who's back there. You know, they, they can help those guys get the job done running the football. And this team wants to run the football. I mean, look, we know they have Jalen Daniels when he's healthy. We know that Jason Bean can throw the ball too. But like this team would love nothing more than to be the type of team that pounds the rock. And Andy Kodelnick, he said those very words last week ahead of the game, you know, like pounds the rock, controls the clock, controls everything about their drives and, and dictates what the defenses can and can't do based on the fact that Kansas knows they're going to run the football and do it well. And so can you take all of that from, from a, a season opening win against Missouri state now? Cause I think there's something that, that comes into play that, that sort of was my first answer to, you know, this was a, a lower division type of program and, and KU still has to show it with their O-line against bigger and better and tougher and more physical teams. Um, but I do think that because this is the O-line we're talking about and it's four or five starters from last year and guys that have proven it on that level, I think it, it's easier to take that as a really good sign in week one and, and kind of carry it forward. So um, you know, that, that makes them feel good. That makes the backs feel good. That's got to make the quarterbacks feel good. And, and obviously for Nicki it opens up a lot of things that he's able to do, too. So a um, lot of lot of things to like. I, I thought it was, in simpler terms, I, I thought it was exactly the kind of opener that, that you needed. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't the prettiest thing from start to finish. It wasn't perfect, but it was as good and solid as it needed to be.
0: Well, uh, certainly, uh, the other big storyline is the quarterback situation going on there. Obviously, it's been kind of a roller coaster with tracking everything at the position and comments that have been made and, and what's going to go on, all this and that. Why? Why do you think it it has been kind of handled this way? Like, do you, do you take how last week went as I, I don't know? Maybe Lance Leipold and the staff are are kind of trying to leave an opening in case. Like, like you see on the depth chart this week, there's an or there. Uh, in case Jalen Daniels, the back flares back up again, do you think this is some sort of uh, thing that they're trying to get, like some competitive advantage that I don't know exists, but that it seems like a lot of coaches do by, you know, not giving away who the quarterback is? Like, why why do you think this has been such a, a gray area, a foggy existence to try to sift through here to figure out who the quarterback is going to be and what's going on with Jalen Daniels?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and I th- I think in in fairness to them the answer is that I I think there's a lot of unknown. I think you just said it a minute ago, right? If the, bla- if the if the if uh Daniel's back flares back up, well, you know, that's hard to predict. They don't know, you know, they don't know today how he's going to feel Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon or I guess in this case Friday afternoon. So it it that that's probably that's probably something to do with it. You know, it's hard to predict when you're talking about something like that where you just don't know. And I think they've shown in the past that they're okay being sort of outright with things and, hey, this is our guy and this is our starter and this is who we're going to play. And, you know, football coaches by nature don't tend to do that as much, but I think this coaching staff hasn't shown that they – want to go out of their way to be clever and, you know, hide things and secretive and stuff like that. I think they're pretty straightforward for the most part. So I think it's probably as much to do with the situation and what the injury is specifically and all that as anything. I think they, it's really hard for them on a Tuesday or a Monday or whatever it is to sit there and say this is what's going to happen because they don't know. Um, I think what we do know is the fact that when Jalen Daniels is healthy, it's his football team. And he'll play. And so I thought it was interesting yesterday that, that Lance Leipold said, and we probably knew this anyway. I mean, he was in uniform. But, but he said Jalen was available for that game last Friday. And I think that's an important thing to, to kind of hear and remember. Um, because, to me, that brings it back to Jason Bean, really. Like, if they didn't have Jason Bean on the roster, do you think Jalen Daniels would have played last week? It's definitely possible. I mean, the answer might have been yes because if he was available and they didn't have a guy they felt great about as a backup or a, you know, another starter so to speak, they may have had to go with him and they may have done it in a way where they were as cautious as could be and, you know, didn't overdo it or anything like that, but they may they may still have gone with him. And so, I think the whole thing comes back to the idea of what a luxury Jason Bean is. How much faith and confidence that the coaching staff has in him, and also his teammates. I mean, there is a difference between the two. Um, they, they do they do things similarly, and they also have a lot of you know things that are different about their games. But when it comes to managing the offense and running the show and doing what they want them to do, they're both capable, and they've proven that over and over and over and over. So to me, it's it's as much about the fact that with the existence of Jason Bean, everything becomes a little different because you have that luxury of being able to handle it a little different than if you didn't have a guy you trusted in that number two position. So are they being cagey? Are they being secretive? Are they doing it on purpose? Are they not? I, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know that we can answer that um, short of them just flat out telling us, but I think that, I think that their number one objective always has shown to be play the guy that's going to give you the best chance to win. And, and in this case, if they don't feel a hundred percent good about Jalen Daniels, then there's no reason to put him out there. And that becomes easier to do when you have a guy like Bean that, you know, can go out there and, and get it done. So um, it's a weird thing for sure. It's a, it's a, it's not something you see all the time, but at the same time, it's, If you're looking at it from their perspective, you know, they're very fortunate. They're very fortunate to have um, this opportunity to have a guy like Bean that they can go to.
0: Yeah, and they are. And uh, I I think if that was the comment, if it was just, hey, we feel like we're good with the backup and and the other guy, this or that, then I I don't know, I would understand that. But uh, going back to what you said about Jalen Daniels being available, this was the quote last Monday from Lance Leipold. He hasn't practiced a lot, but he went through everything today. And yeah, we're planning on playing everyone who is available.
1: So that, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah, I right. start that, to get tripped up here, word.
0: right? So yeah, yeah, I, I you're plan. right.
1: He, I, he did. <laughs> I, I'm just
0: very confused by this whole thing. I guess is the way of putting it. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong or like that. It's it's like devastating or it's, or it's some huge problem or something. It's just. It's gotten to a point now where like I'm I'm just not going to take anything for what it is. To me, everything that that's commented from here on is just kind of lip service or a lie. But nonetheless, yeah. uh, KU plays Illinois this Friday. Moving on from from that, we'll see if Jalen ends up playing or not. I know there was the Brett McMurphy report about him starting. We'll see H- how critical do you think this game is for KU to win if they want to reach seven, eight, or maybe even more wins.
1: Oh, I think it's huge. Yeah, to to maybe even six, right? Like I think that. If they can go out and win this game, and, and I've thought this going back to, you know, March, April, May. I mean, i I thought that this was the biggest game on the schedule. Um, because I think if they can win this game, there's a lot that you can take away from it. I think 2-0 and is a little bit of buzz. No one, look, like 41,000 fans were there the other night. And that was great. That's the biggest opening night crowd in, in, in a Kansas football stadium since, I think, 2014, 2013, maybe. I mean, that's that's a significant thing. But it was Missouri state and that game was for the most part, really never in doubt. And, you know, it just didn't have the same buzz that a, that a big 10 opponent is going to have, right. Or a big 12 opponent later in the year. So this week you get that, you get that in week two against a pretty darn good football team and a, and a coach who, who has a heck of a track record and, and a team that will show up and, and, Look like a physical team that that is to be reckoned with, and so I think that if you can get to two and zero and win that game against that team, then the buzz even grows more. And all of a sudden, now it's people are like, "Hey, look, man, they did five, they ran off five in a row last year, and now they're at it again. Look at this team; we got to pay attention." And I just think it builds from there. Then you go play a Reno team in, or a Nevada team in Reno game; you should be favored in by. I would imagine quite a few. Um, yeah, it's a road game, but but whatever. I mean, you just beat a Big Ten team, right? So you go win that game, and then you come home for a Big 12 opener against a new Big 12 school, BYU, and you can win that game. And all of a sudden, it's it's deja vu. You know, you're looking at 4-0, and you've got people excited, and you've got the town going, and, and you start to believe in yourself, too. So <clears throat> none of that can happen. If you don't win this game. And so I've I've thought for, for such a long time that, that this is the biggest game on the schedule. And, you know, then if they can get by this one, it, it obviously can be a different game. But I, I just think that it's so big for the trajectory of the season, for the confidence, for the swagger, for all of those things that go into how the rest of the season plays out. Can they get to six wins if they don't win this game? Sure. I I, I think – They've reached the point where we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that, that they can show up any night and win a game. Um, no matter who the opponent is. But it's gonna be a lot harder if you don't win a home game in week two. Excuse me, man, my my <laughs> my voice is You're just so me today.
0: emotional about K U football. It
1: is. That's what it <laughs> sounds like, isn't it? It's horrible. I'm I'm trying to stand up and move around and jostle this thing because it sounds like a real pitiful, sad sack kind of explanation of everything. So, I, I just got a text from somebody and I'm afraid that's what it's going to be about. Somebody <laughs> listening live saying get a hold of yourself. Um, so anyway, I'm up now. I'm no longer seated. This seems a little better. So, yeah, I, I just think to answer your question as quickly as I can, it, it's a it's so big because of all the things you get from a win like this. It's, it's you know, in, in an era when it's Big Ten and SEC football rule all right. Like, if you can bring a Big Ten team into your house and you can win that game, then you can walk around with your chest out a little more. And, and I think these guys will. I think. I think this team is positioned so well right now to be um, humble and operate with humility and and really hammer home that idea of we haven't arrived yet, we haven't done anything yet. But I think. It's also a ticking time bomb of sorts because these guys believe in themselves so much that if you just give them a hint of, you know, something positive happening and things building again, you just give them a hint of that. It's, it's like, it's like lighting the fuse in, in one of those, you know, old school cartoons where the thing burns, you know, and it's heading toward the bomb that's going to go off, but it, it goes like six rooms through the house until it finally does. And, and that's kind of what you're talking about here. And, and I think these guys, again, they're, they're operating the right way. They're saying the right things. They are a humble bunch. But I, I promise you, and you know this too from being around, Derek, Like they believe they can win and should win every football game they play this year. And that can be dangerous, and that can be scary, and, and that can lead to a really, really good season. So um, they will continue that, and they will continue to feel that way if they can win this week. If they don't, I think some of the doubts creep back in, and then they even have to figure out how to kind of work through that on the fly. But if they win this week, I, I think, you know, all bets are off, and, and they move forward with even more confidence than we've seen them have, you know, maybe maybe ever, but certainly as much as they had at any point last year, and, and there's no telling what that could mean this year.
0: Well, uh, I I appreciate all the KU football talk. I did want to ask a question about KU volleyball. They had a big weekend, lost to an uber-talented Purdue team in a close match, down to top 20 Marquette team in four sets. Cameron Turner is the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week on volleyball. You actually got to write a piece for R1S1 Sports uh, about Cam Turner. Uh, What did you come away with most impressed about her and, and the KU volleyball team this year?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, if you guys haven't seen her play, I know you guys have, but if people listening haven't seen her play, um, get tickets if you can, go, go. you know, tune in to ESPN Plus next time they're on or ESPNU when that happens, whatever it is. I mean, she's just so much fun to watch. And my favorite thing about the story is, is, you know, as you kind of watch her play, and I have over the last two, now three seasons, you know, you see this, this, Person in the middle, this quarterback, if you will, playing setter for them, that that is in total control of everything. And you know, one minute she is celebrating and smiley and bubbly and dancing around with her teammates and having a blast, and then the next minute or the minute before that, she just looks like an absolute stone cold assassin. You know, and and her ability to flip that switch and 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 then flip it back and and keep doing that throughout an entire match is, is just unbelievable. So. I was able to, you know, talk to some some former coaches of her that coached her in club volleyball, and and uh, of course talk to her and talk to her parents, and and just kind of get an idea of where that all came from. And and it's no act, you know, it's really who she is. I mean, she is really, truly, just she plays the game with a lot of joy, and she plays the game like a killer, and she she absolutely expects to win and wants to win not only every match, every game, every set, but every point. And she's also mature enough and and you know composed enough to know that it's volleyball you're not going to do that and so you got to find a way to to power through it and and lead your teammates through it as well when you're in this position that she's in so um great story it was a lot of fun to do um great family you know she she, she had basically the only division 1 offer she had with Kansas and uh I think beyond that she had an offer from Washburn and she grew up in Topeka, so that was, you know, a big deal. But at the same time, I mean, there were no other Division One schools on her, and now there are probably 300 Division One schools that would do anything to have her. So uh, a really cool story about a girl who, who, you know, dreamed, 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 dreamed of being a Jayhawk and is getting to do it and getting to live out her dreams and, and also doing it at a very high level. And, you know, she has aspirations for the program that are massive and, and for herself, too. And so, um, yeah. It, once I jumped into this new, this new endeavor, you knowing I would have some more time to write stories on these athletes and stuff like that, she was you know, one of the first seven or eight names, all sports, that I wrote down because I've just enjoyed watching her play so much. So, um, Yeah, I think everybody would like reading it. I think they would enjoy it, r1s1sports.com, but more than that, I think you would really enjoy watching her play. So um, make sure you get out there and do that there. It was a big weekend. Like you said, the the loss to Purdue could have gone either way, and Purdue's really good. So um, that loss will not hurt them in any way, and and it showed two days later that it didn't hurt them because they came back and and beat an even higher-ranked team um, in in four sets. So this team's for real. They're really good, and uh, they've got a real chance to to make some noise this year, which you know, for the last several years they've been doing plenty of. So uh, the beat goes on with KU Volleyball, and and Cameron Turner is a big part of it.
0: He is Matt Tate. You can check out all his work, including that story, at r1s1sports.com. Matt, I appreciate the time as always, man. Hope you had a good Labor Day, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
1: It was good, man. Thank you. You too. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go get some tissues now and, and you <laughs> know move past all this emotion that you drummed up inside of me. I appreciate that's it. That's what always. we do here.
0: That's what we do. We drum up <laughs> all right, the emotion. Take care, guys. <laughs> all right. That's Matt Tate, r1s1sports.com, joining us here on RCST. One hour down, two to go. Kevin Flaherty will join us. We have Case of the Tuesdays coming up next. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get
2: out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was, right now, on Rock Chalk Sports Talk.
2: You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. I'm going to calm down. Look around you.
0: With Derek Johnson.
2: When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does
0: anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Well, today's actually a Tuesday, but because yesterday was Labor Day. Dude, today feels like Monday, dude. I've done some Monday
2: stuff today. I've just been not locked in. It's been a Monday for me.
0: But that's a good thing because now it is a Tuesday, so you're actually a day closer to the weekend. And that's that's the beauty too of having a three day uh weekend. A hundred percent a shorter work. You come, week. Back next week. Next yeah, week. come
2: back the next week. Yeah, come back the next weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then the weekend after the three day weekend feels so short, and then it feels like you just slam into a wall when yeah, you get work that brutal. next month. No, it's terrible. Nonetheless, uh if you're having a case of the Tuesdays today, maybe you had a good time over the weekend. I'm, well, I'm having a case of Tuesdays, yeah. You are all right. Well, uh here's who could else be having a case of the Tuesdays today. The Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, no. So, Chiefs play the Lions on Thursday. Uh, obviously, Chris Jones, that whole contract situation seems far from sad. I'm so sick and tired of Chris Jones. Yeah, well, it's more than this, unfortunately. We also know Kadarius Tony. He might be back for the opener, might not. I don't know. Lajarius Sneed might be out for the opener. I don't know. Yeah. But here's the big one. A very big one. Andy Reid told the media today that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee during today's practice. Bad. His status is uncertain. I would imagine hyperextended knee. I'm kind of imagining he's going to be out. So with a hyperextended knee, it's kind of funny. I think uh,
2: I'm pretty sure it was Russell Wilson did it, hyperextended knee, and I think he ended up like returning to the game or like played. This was like back when he was with the Seahawks at one point. So I
0: think there are varying fair—varying degrees of seriousness. But isn't it a little different with a quarterback versus the guy who literally has to uh, run around all game? No, it, it could be. Twist on but the knee? I, I think there are
2: varying degrees of seriousness to an injury like this. Uh, but yes, I would expect that Travis Kelsey will either not play or play very little yeah. in the game. That's just my general... Uh, what I suspect. But also, it's the opening game of the season. Like... If there's any chance that he could do serious damage to himself or make things a lot no, worse... No, no, it's not worth it. You hold him out.
0: Can you win this game without Travis Kelsey? Oh, he's yes. A, he's right? 100%. It's early enough in the season, too. You Dude, expect yourself to be have people not learned
2: team? that as long as the guy wearing number 15 is healthy and playing, it doesn't matter, right. okay? It doesn't matter, okay? Obviously, you want Travis Kelsey out there, and he's the best tight end in the league, but... They can still win any game on any field in any situation as long as Patrick Mahomes is the starting quarterback. Well, even sometimes that hasn't mattered. Jet Henny Yes. Henney, yes. Um, and honestly, Matt Moore. Honestly, I, I told this to you before we came on the air, actually. I actually think what's going to happen is I think the Chiefs are just going to absolutely beat the snot out of the Lions. I really do. I think it's going to be, oh, no Chris
0: Jones. Oh, no Travis Kelsey. No Jerry Snead. And they're just going to beat them by 30. Seriously. That's what I seriously think is going to happen. Okay. I'm kind of leaning the opposite, that the Lions pull the upset. Here. I know. Everyone's telling you, everyone's going to pick the Lions. Everyone's going to pick the Lions. Not so
2: bad on you. Over than I would
0: not else. be surprised if on Friday we're talking about like a 35 to 10 win or something okay. like that. Okay. Um, how about BYU thinking Marcus Adams will play for them? Is that on a case of Tuesdays? He, he committed to BYU. He'll be joining the Big 12 yeah. eventually. So this this is like a, a full circle type thing of us, how we had the conversation
2: earlier in the summer about former KU guys find ways to get yes. on teams that are going to play KU. <laughs> Here's another example of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we, you know, we've, the Marcus Adams situation I think is just turned into something that's kind of more, you just hope he is has success. I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously been a, a rough ride for the kid for the past, you know, six months, basically, of up and down of where he was going to be and whatnot, and at this point, you just hope for the best for him. I mean, hopefully BYU is the right place for him, and he gets to be successful, but but, yeah, I mean, based on what happened with his time at Kansas and then based on can we even say with his time at Gonzaga is that even can I even say <laughs> that? Was he even there? I don't know. I so uh yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation. Does he know does Marcus Adams know that Provo is like more rural probably than, than Lawrence I would think?
0: I don't is know Provo's aware of that a pretty big city
2: it's I've been different. to Provo,
0: but it's it's in the mountains. it is yeah. I don't what's know the maybe it's a big uh, snowboarder or something. Wait, what's the population of Provo? Oh, it's probably multiple hundred thousand. Oh wow, it's only one hundred and fourteen thousand. So it's literally, the, it's really like, this, isn't that like I the guess same I size as was more Lawrence? of Salt Lake City. Yeah, I mean that's Lawrence is like I think ninety five. That's the thing. So it's not that much bigger. Provo is like the same distance from Salt Lake to Salt
2: Lake City that Lawrence would be to Kansas City. So if you were like annoyed about the lack of a big city
0: vibe, it's the same. Yeah, as as much as I feel. I don't know that I feel that bad. I feel like some of this is warranted. Um, I would not be shocked if this does not work out. I'll just say that.
2: Yeah, it's a tough situation. And, and yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked either. But, like I said, at this point, I just kind of hope for the best form, you know, wherever it is.
0: Obviously, if it's against KU, I hope not. But, but yeah. Okay. Team USA Basketball is having a case of the Tuesdays because... They lost to but Lithuania. They're still in the semifinal. They are, yeah. They still got to get into the They beat postseason. Italy by 40, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so they're still in the semifinals. Dominant. No, so,
2: but how do yeah, you what happened to Lithuania? Who's Dude, I don't know, Lithuania? man.
0: Don't they have a. Is Demontis Sabonis on Lithuania? Ooh, maybe. Is that enough, though? Is that enough to be like, oh, hey, they have one NBA All Star? We have like seven. <laughs> shouldn't. I don't know. I don't know who else. Apparently, it's the most points that anybody has ever scored against Team USA in an international competition. Wow. They have Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, that's a pretty good player. uh, Izzy Brazdakis. Remember him from Michigan? Nope. I don't remember him. He's like an early second round pick after a one and done year. Um, Outside of that, I don't recognize any of these. Okay, so no Sabonis? Well, he might be Lithuanian, but if he did, he's not playing in this game. So that makes it... Oh, uh... Domitas Montia Junis. I think he was a former like first-round pick for the Rockets. Sounds right. Who? Demontis Servitus. That sounds familiar some way. He played six minutes, whoever that is. Yeah, I don't uh, recognize a lot of these yeah, guys. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but- I mean,
2: dude, okay, first of all, was it you that was telling me off the air about the bet where you bet on <laughs> Team USA to win every quarter? Yeah, they had to win
0: every quarter. <laughs> I'm assuming that didn't happen. No, they had won every quarter until then. And they won the second and third quarter. They tied the fourth quarter, so it would have lost there anyway. But they lost the first quarter 31-12. to 12. Dude, what? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. Anthony Edwards had 35 points in this game. Only three other players at double digits. Brandon Ingram had 10. My or Mikael Bridges had 14. Jalen Brunson had 14. I don't know. Well, they obviously woke up because they smashed. Okay, wait. Question. I, Josh Hart, solid NBA player, solid role player. Why is he a starter on the Team USA because can get the, any better than that Everyone
2: else on Team USA zero is,
0: points they a old. star The Team USA guys are old and nobody cares Dude, Tyrese Halliburton coming off the bench I mean, think about He's it He's an does, all-star Does anybody really Brandon care? Brandon Ingram coming off the bench? He's an all-star yeah, What are we doing wouldn't, here?
2: Wouldn't you rather have a team of, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, yes, Ron James
0: Of course <laughs> James Harden Yeah, this is bad, dude USA basketball continues With
2: Joel Embiid, I guess he wouldn't be And he wouldn't be Team USA, would he?
0: I think Joel Embiid, there have been like, I'm pretty sure Cameroon, France, and USA are all trying to get Joel Embiid to play for them. But I mean, like
2: seriously, like I honestly, I mean, listen, full disclosure, I do not care. I literally don't care at all. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to watch any a second wow. of any of these How games. How unpatriotic of you. I don't care. First
0: you hate on the troops. Now you hate on Team USA. What's next? You going to burn <laughs> a flag tonight? I literally do not care. Okay. Uh case of the Tuesdays for the LA Rams, Cooper Cup reaggravated a injury to his hamstring. He's going to see a specialist this week. Yeah, not not good for the Rams. Uh, okay.
2: Oh, are, are the Rams just going to be like a one hit wonder? They won Dude, the Super Bowl and then they're just going to be bad now?
0: But also remember when they had Jared Goff. Like, Sean McVay does more with less on the offense. Like, I have a hard time believing. Their offense is going to be, like, horrible. Yeah, but they, they were bad last year. They sucked. I know, but part of that, too. Like, so is this just who they are? Know, man. Do they just and suck? I Aaron Donald. Like, I, I feel like the floor, though, I guess unless Matthew Stafford gets hurt again, which very possible he's gotten hurt a lot in the past, and he's <laughs> older now. I mean, the guy literally broke his also, back. Cooper Cup is 30 years old. That's pretty old. But I, I'm surprised he's that old. Is what you think he's young? younger than that? I feel like he's only been in the league, like, four years. Uh, well, I think he was than, kind of a late clearly. bloomer. I think he was. I think he came out of college when he was like 24 or something. So maybe that, yeah. that's why. Um, nonetheless, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You could convince me the Rams are going to be one of the worst teams in football this year. You could convince me. I mean, me, they're not going to be worse than the Cardinals. No, that's true. But you could convince so they're me. They're guaranteed
2: to finish at least third in their division.
0: Yeah. But we were going through it like a week ago that there's not that many teams that you're like, they're going to be horrible. Yeah. It's like the Cardinals are probably number one with the, the Cardinals. Bullet. Maybe Buccaneers the Buccaneers probably could be really bad. Texans could Bucs. be really bad, but even then, the Texans feel like they'll but be. But again, better. what if like what if uh, Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield the starter for Yeah, the it's like what if, his what if he just has a five six wins? Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Yeah, exactly. but that, that's how I feel with this team. But not every team can go seven and ten. That's the There's problem. There's to be some teams that are worse well, that's than That's how that. I feel with this team. It's like, well, if they have a healthy Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, like that should be good enough for at least six or seven wins. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they'll be horrible. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But that's a bad sign for them. Yeah. to start the year. Also bad for uh, one of my fantasy teams, nonetheless. A case of the Tuesdays for the Delta diarrhea guy. Who? Or lady or man. I don't know. So there was a story that came out that a Delta flight was forced into an emergency landing because of a passenger's diarrhea. Oh. So obviously a couple weeks ago we had the... Uh, well, no, it was more than that. I don't know, a month or this two ago. back in the... Wait, what are you talking the, about? The lady, the scene fake person or whatever. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That the, the lady that we like, he's isn't not real. real. Yeah, yeah, correct. What? I I almost think that is better to be known as that person than it's, this person. Oh, 100% now, they percent not Now, they didn't clarify who this one was, so maybe they were keeping no, some you anonymity. you want anonymity. 100%. I, I mean, I, this would be the worst, this should be the most embarrassing thing ever. Yes. Right? Well, I think you would just, I think you would just not admit it.
2: Yeah, no, do, they security, uh, do, they
0: have, do they have security cameras on airplanes? What makes it worse is this was supposed to be a plane. This wasn't just like a short trip where it's like, hey, we're going from Chicago to Kansas City or something. It was like they're going from Atlanta to Barcelona, Spain. Oh, so this is They was was were an air forced to turn fly. around and make an emergency landing after a passenger, quote, had diarrhea all the way through the plane. Now, does that mean so I'm physically confused. it was all the way through the plane? Yeah, or-
2: I'm confused. Does this mean this this person literally like was unable to make it to the airport, unable to make it to the airplane bathroom? And That's was what like I'm saying. Literally, you know, yeah, for lack of a better term, crapping on the floor, right? Where it was just leaking out everywhere. Uh, the pilot, or was it a situation where they went to the bathroom and it was,
0: it was like the smell was so bad? <laughs> I don't know. It's like. This is bad I mean this is wrong the, the pilot took to air traffic control and said quote "This is a biohazard issue. We've had a passenger who's had diarrhea all the way through the plane so they want us to come back to Atlanta. I mean this to me sounds like they were someone was
2: like at the back of the plane and they needed to get to the front bathroom and they just carpet bombed the
0: whole <laughs> the whole thing Well just like imagine imagine being the person who's sitting next to the guy on the plane. Or anywhere on the oh, plane. Oh man, it seems like that's brutal,
2: dude. That is really bad. The
0: case of the Tuesdays for because like as as awful as this would be for all the other passengers who were on the plane and had to deal with this, like case of yeah. the Tuesdays for them too. It's yeah. worse for this guy because he had to deal with the shame shipper, or this person. You know? Yeah, yeah, whoever exactly. it was. Yeah. Uh, traditional defenses are having a case of the Tuesdays today because no longer will we call it defense. Jim Harbaugh uh, obviously wasn't available to coach for the game Saturday. He'll be suspended the next two games as well. He and his uh, weekly press conference said the job of a head coach on game day is to be the, quote, guardian of victory, which, by the way, I think we should make that the new title for head (laughs) coaches in football. Basketball, (laughs) they're called managers, right? In football, they should be guardians of victory. Uh, But then he added this line, quote, there's no offense. There's no defense. There's a (laughs) (laughs) we-fence. This sounds fake, but it's real. Dude, what? Okay, first of all. If you're
2: suspended, why are you still going to press conferences? Is that just fine? Are they just not <laughs> Yeah, gone?
0: I think he's, I think he's only suspended for game day. Like he's he's, he's like okay, the so it's self one of those things where, things it's like where he could practice only the 24 on game day, hours of yeah. yeah. the
2: game is
0: the only time that he's actually quote unquote suspended.
2: Yes. Okay, that's fine. This is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like this is so <laughs> stupid.
0: Like what are you talking about? Like what <laughs> are you insane? I, I just be normal. I just hope every time one of the units comes out, they're like, "And here comes the wee fence." <laughs> <laughs> just offense or defense, the whole thing. I mean, this is just the uh,
2: dude. Aw. I can't decide which is worse, the wee fence or the guardian of victory. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense.
0: Oh, uh, I love both first of all. Them.
2: If you haven't won, you're not guarding anything.
0: <laughs> So it's a stupid. It could be the guard. Shouldn't it be the guardian of defeat? Because you're trying to avoid defeat. Agree, yes. Guardian of victory defeat. means you're trying to, like, guard Stop the victory. win. Yeah. Yes. It no, it's the of defeat. No, I yeah. kind of agree with you. I agree. Uh, no, this is really stupid. I can't decide if I really hate this or if I just. I'm going to refer awesome. to the KU We Fence all the time now. I hope you know that. Um, okay, also, Dabo Sweeney is having a case of the Tuesdays because Dude, Clemson. Oh, my God. Thanks. I, I was. Yeah, they. They've gone okay. The two previous years, they went from being like that national title contender. I mean, every they, year, I mean dude, to the last two years, they were a good team. Yeah, but, but it but was elite defense and just like kind of bad offense. They would still win nine or ten games. Yeah, dude, like three, four years
2: ago, they were borderline same level as Alabama. Yes, like perennial top yes. two, top three team.
0: Going to the national championship. Now every they got year. smoked by Duke last they night. They suck. Not even. I mean, close. they are terrible. Which, by the way, this makes me feel even better about the Kansas win over Duke last year. I know they're slightly different teams, but like, there's a lot of the same faces. Yeah, that makes me feel great about DJU that. DJU is going to win
2: ten games at Oregon State. No, and Clemson's going to be terrible. Seriously, so,
0: huge W for DJU. When well, Dabo refuses to use the transfer portal, it yes. doesn't seem to be working out too hot.
2: Yeah, this is a, a disaster for Dabo Sweeney, and I'm sure that a lot of people are just so sad about that, you know, because <laughs> Dabo Sweeney is oh has been he's such a likable guy, he's such a likable coach. He doesn't say annoying things. Oh wait, I'm just getting word that he actually he's not likable and he
0: does say annoying things all the time. Wow, okay, this is great. All right, last up, case of the Tuesdays is uh, body parts exploding. <laughs> okay, did you see this report, over the yes. the report <laughs> of the weekend? The report of the weekend was Breyer. the the direct quote was
2: that. Juju Smith-Schuster's knee was in danger of exploding.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> at at Could explode moment. at any point, at any moment. And is a quote mess. No, well, I mean, obviously, when mean, they I can't... say explode, <laughs> I think that basically, I don't think it actually is going to explode. But when you say it that way, you actually do picture in your mind that <laughs> the he's going to be exploding. running like a drag route over yes. the middle. And then he's going to try to knock someone out and his knee is literally going to explode (laughs) and it's no longer going to be attached. I mean, I don't know if
2: this might be kind of messed up, but my thought was Kevin Ware. I mean, your knee knee will
0: explode. I mean, literally like (laughs) boom. (laughs) Literally blow up. Kapow. Like, I do wonder though if going back to the the Chiefs not really seeming to entertain any offers for Juju cuz when you looked at it we were like oh that wasn't like that much money I'm surprised the Chiefs didn't do it or like yeah this is why I wonder, yeah, if, the why. Try to I wonder if the Chiefs were like we don't think his health is going to hold up long term so we got the one year out of him he even had to deal with some health stuff last year could like be, we're yeah. moving on. Well anyways uh
2: yeah if you're walking down the street just be wary that your yeah. knees or any other body, body parts, parts just explode. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> could explode at any
0: moment. Uh, He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Case of the Tuesdays here. We got a college football whip around next. Kevin Flaherty will join us after that. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That time to be joined by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here on the show. Talk a little KU Big 12 college football from week one. Let's start with the Jayhawks here locally. Kevin, what stood out to you most in KU's first game against Missouri State that you think will translate to future opponents? And was there anything that they did well that you still want to see it against better competition?
3: Yeah, I thought the the defensive line was something that you'd like to see transfer over into better competition because I thought they did an outstanding job in that game against Missouri State. And I think when you look at what you wanted to see from the defensive tackles and you know the way that they were going to kind of muck up the middle and and be physical and everything and what you wanted to see from the defensive ends in terms of rushing the passer and showing some athleticism and things like that i i thought all of those things flashed, and so that's uh, that's definitely something that I think you, you wanna see carry over and, and you're not hundred percent sure that it that it will, but it was a really positive indicator. As far as things that you know you feel like are going to to come together, I, I thought the offensive line generally did a really good job in pass protection. And you know, I, I think we're we're waiting to see, hey, when it's when it's third and two against an Illinois or or BYU or whoever you know, is Kansas going to be able to line up when you want to run the ball, and the other team knows you want to run the ball, and she'll be able to run the ball? But I do think that Kansas has really shown the ability to to protect the quarterback, whether that's Jalen Daniels, whether that's Jason Bean. You know, they they've really done a nice job of making those guys comfortable, not just this year, but the guys returning who played a year ago. And so, I think that's something that looked like a real strength that. I think it is a strength that's really likely to to carry over and be something that we notice across this season.
0: Uh, KU takes on Illinois this Friday. Illinois had a close win, nearly lost against Toledo, but Toledo's also a very good football team. They won the MAC last year. Uh, They could win, you know, eight, nine, ten games this season. Uh, What do you make of that matchup on on Friday, and and how do you think, or, or I guess what do you think will most determine which team comes out on top?
3: Yeah, I I think you can almost kind of throw that Toledo result away, anything negative that you would look at it from in terms of openers are hard. And openers against good teams are really hard because you you aren't 100% sure what you have yet. And even when you have a lot of pieces coming back, when you play a team like that that's really capable of challenging you, and Derek, I think that – you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, Toledo may be the favorite to, to win the MAC again this year. For, for Illinois to get that win and, and find a way, I thought, was, was pretty impressive. Carrying that over, you know, Luke Altmaier was really impressive in that game and was a huge part of the reason that Illinois was able to pull it off. And I think that's one of the things that, that you look at, because Illinois, I think they're going to fix some things defensively. I really think that you know they have the pieces to be really strong on defense but the question there is is you know if Kansas gets to say 28 points is Illinois going to be able to get to 28 points Kansas gets you know finds a way to get to 31 is Illinois going to be able to get there and I think the wide receiver group for Illinois looked quite a bit better than it was a year ago and, and I think when you watch Altmyer, you know other than one, you know, pass that was intercepted that was really a, a poor decision, you know, he was he was pretty close to flawless. And so if he's able to carry that over and that's legitimately who he is as Illinois' starting quarterback, I think that makes that team so much more dangerous because they are going to have the firepower to keep up with people.
0: Moving to around the Big 12, there were certainly some uh, dents to the conference with some of the results over the weekend. Uh, let's start with some of the positives, though. Oklahoma, UCF, Kansas State, some others really took care of business. Uh, was there anybody or, or anything that stood out to you most from a positive standpoint that you're maybe a little bit higher on the team after week one than you were before the season started?
3: I mean, Oklahoma just didn't even really give them a chance. To say. I mean, that was that was coming out. You know, people use this kind of as a, as a shoulder shrug, right, when they say a team did what it was supposed to do. It's sort of, you know, implying that, yeah, they, they did something positive, but it was expected. And I think, you know, with OU, it's not necessarily what we expected from OU, but it's what we would expect a really good OU team to do. And so uh, I think for, for Oklahoma to live up to those expectations, you know, for Gavin Freeman to play that well, for the defense to pitch a shutout, all of those things – Kind of added up to where, you know, Oklahoma looked like you kind of hoped Oklahoma would if you were bullish on, on this year's Oklahoma team. I I think Texas is going to be really interesting because I don't think there's any doubt that that's the most talented team in the conference. I've talked on this show before where I, I think Steve Sarkeesian's a good coach and an outstanding offensive game planner. Uh, their defense was really, really good in week one and and it was one of the things that that kind of impressed. I think, to an extent, more than what you thought they would have. The question I have there is: everybody's kind of spent this offseason talking up of Quinn Ewers, right? And you know, having the NFL potential and all of the different things. And for Ewers, I, I felt like it was more kind of business as usual in terms of you know, he had some nice plays and things like that, but he's still not connecting on deep balls to Xavier worthy and Xavier worthy is a guy that can really stretch the field and get sort of behind the defense two or three times a game. If he's not hitting on those, it's not going to hurt Texas against rice. You know, the, the game that they had in week one, but with Alabama and Texas traveling to Alabama this week, those are the throws you need to hit because you aren't going to get a whole lot of them. And so, the ability to change the scoreboard on one throw, that's going to be something that I'm going to watch Quinn Ewers for, I, I think, as you move on this season. Is is he able to to kind of make those connections that he was missing on last year?
0: Talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I was on the flip side of that. There, there were a lot of those uh, maybe negative results. Baylor getting upended by Texas State probably leads the pack. I think Wyoming's going to be a really good football team, but obviously for Texas Tech, if they were going to be a Big 12 title contender, you would have liked to see them not lose in a game, even uh, you know up in Laramie. Uh, BYU only won 14 nothing. Oklahoma State only won 27-13 to against uh, Central Arkansas. Uh, what to you was the most disappointing Week 1 performance by a Big 12 team?
3: Uh, I thought it was Baylor against Texas State, and I'm really not sure it was incredibly close. I mean, uh, I'm not saying Texas State has a has a bad team or anything like that, but there's the way that they lost and the way that a lot of us the buzz coming out of, of Waco this off season was that I don't want to say the defense was fixed, but basically that they had you know, they they had maybe found some solutions to things that were issues a year ago, and you know, Dave Aranda is such a smart guy, and he's been such a good defensive coach that I think you even gave him some benefit of the doubt, right? You felt like, okay, Baylor had sort of a one-year fall off, but maybe they're they're going to be better defensively. I expected the Baylor offensive line to really struggle. You know, they hadn't played together hardly at all. They're really athletic. I think, you know, by the time you get to Week 8, Week 10, when they're used to playing with each other, I, I don't think that's going to be as big of a problem. But for Baylor to go out and struggle that way defensively, uh, I thought really was was not the best indicator for that team. You, you kind of mentioned the Texas Tech thing. Did you guys watch Clemson Duke at all last night? Yes. Clemson, I'm not saying that uh, – I'm not saying that Clemson was, was better than Duke or anything like that, but weren't you kind of laughing at, at one point at all the different things that were going wrong for Clemson? I mean, the, you turned the ball over twice on handoffs inside the 10. Yeah, I, I yeah.
0: think they punted in the second half. Isn't that right? They, did, they, did, they, they did didn't score. Pun, no. <laughs>
3: they did not punt or score in the second half, which <laughs> is just an amazing stat. And I bring that up as a really long way to say, It wasn't quite to that extent, but you look at the missed field goals, you look at a few of the other like little things that happened to Texas Tech against Wyoming. And, you know, I I think that that one was a little more acceptable in general, but I also think it was one of those things where, hey, you knock through one of those field goals in regulation and you're breathing a sigh of relief on the plane home, but you're still heading home with a win. And, so I didn't draw as many conclusions, maybe or as many negative conclusions about Texas Tech in that game, as opposed to say the the Baylor Texas State game, which I, I thought was was really not the best thing. And that was before you know the uh, the knee injury to Blake Shapin and, and him likely being out here for a little bit.
0: Uh, across the country, elsewhere, uh, obviously beyond, I guess, Duke and Colorado jumping onto the scene, some impressive performances. Florida State kind of comes to mind for me and and looking at what they did. Um, you know, kind of the same thing, though, with uh, maybe some teams that disappointed a little bit. I was a little disappointed in what we saw with Ohio State. Uh, across the country, uh, was there a team that, that maybe your opinion changed on the most in week one?
3: I love the edge that Florida State played with. You know, it wasn't – I felt like Florida State was going to be athletic. I thought Jordan Travis was going to continue to be a really good quarterback. You look at the wide receivers they had and, and the size and athleticism that they can bring out there. I, I thought that Florida State had all of those things. But do you remember uh, when they got the touchdown and uh, one of the Florida State guys just kind of ragdolled an LSU guy yes. to the ground? In the end, like to me, that was the microcosm of the way that they finished that game. And it's something that, as somebody who has watched Florida State with interest, at least for a really long time, I'm not sure I've seen that from that program in quite a while. And so I think it it was one of those things where, yes, I was impressed with Florida State's athletes. Yes, I was impressed with the receivers and and think a lot of people are going to struggle to keep up with them. At the same time, I think Florida State changed my my opinion on them based on, on sort of that edge that they played with, the physicalities they played with. And on the other side of things, and I know we already talked about them, and yes, they did have a, a comedy of errors, but Clemson has got to hit the transfer portal, right? Like that not that like I don't know
0: a Take takeaway from this week? <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine if they would have got Keon Coleman instead of Florida State.
3: Yeah, Keon Cole, I mean, they, they desperately needed wide receivers. You know, they've got certain guys at different spots, and I thought some of the most shocking comments that you heard from that game, and I mean, it was apparent on TV, but I feel like speed is something you gauge in person a little bit easier. And the fact that people who were at the game and analysts who were at the game were saying, hey, there's, there's not really that big an athleticism difference between Clemson and Duke, if there is one at all, you know to to me that's that's almost shocking. You know, given the way that Clemson recruits and everything else, and it just goes to show that you know, hey, if if you're not attacking the transfer portal right now, you're really missing out on, on some good players. And, and I know on the college basketball side, you know, Tom Izzo for the most part refuses to get into the transfer portal. There are other people like that. But from a football standpoint, where age is so important, and maturity is so important, and experience is so important, to just ignore this ability, where you can say, "Hey, we don't have a wise receiver. Why don't we go get a thousand-yard receiver from somewhere? You know, who's already proven it?" You know, it, you're really depriving yourself of those kinds of players, and I really thought that hurt Clemson.
0: All right, uh, I don't know if you have a a fun local prospect of the week with uh, high school football officially underway. Obviously, the Missouri side got underway a couple weeks ago. Kansas side got underway this past week. Uh, Who is the local prospect of the week?
3: Yeah, I actually had a chance to go down and catch a half of two different games. Uh, Went down and saw Topeka, you know, playing at Mays, and then the second game was Wichita Northwest, Uh, Playing against Bishop Carroll, and you know Bishop Carroll has got a good team, and Wichita Northwest beat him, I think fifty-eight to seven. And when you look at that, and you look at that team, I, I think it's going to be one of the best teams in the state. And the best prospect on that team is actually a twenty twenty-six player. I, I think he's a linebacker named John Michael Fountain, and he's uh, six foot one, about two hundred five pounds has great athleticism actually in the game that we went to uh he was rushing the passer the quarterback tried to throw it over the top of him he jumped up picked it off and ran it in for six Uh, and i know that he you know he really tears up their speed testing and everything there at at wichita northwest and he's a guy that that has an iowa state offer already as a 2026 and i think that uh, i think you're going to see the local schools follow suit and and Probably a lot more people who aren't local start to follow suit I, I 2026 is so early to start ranking prospects at this point you're talking guys who have just played the first game of their sophomore seasons and yet if we were to do sort of a these are the best players in the state of Kansas in 2026 if he's not number one he'd certainly be you know in the top couple players on that list of guys who have already emerged and and have played really really well.
0: Yeah, and certainly if Iowa State's interested in a kid in the Wichita area, I think that should uh, just automatically everybody goes yes, okay, we're winning on him.
3: Iowa, Iowa State got a uh, Wichita Northwest guy a, a few years back named Brief Hall, and that uh, that turned out pretty well for him. So Iowa State very familiar with the school, very familiar with that coaching staff, very familiar with the players, and and they went ahead and, and stepped up with an offer before the kid played a single game his sophomore year. So that kind of Tells you what we're dealing
1: with from a talent standpoint there. There we go.
0: Well, Kevin, I appreciate the time that you always spend with us here on our Tuesdays, and uh, hope you had a fun Labor Day weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. All uh, right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. That's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. Give him a follow on Twitter, at KFlaherty247. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We got some more KU football talk. We got some KU football audio after that. All that's come in the 5 o'clock hour here on RCST with KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We've got more live action coming at you this week. we got High School Sports Weekly returning on Thursday night. That's going to be out at Mama's Tamale Shop, new location. Nick's going to be out there. Who, we got Baldwin High School Football. There was always a good time with Coach Lisher. Yeah,
2: Baldwin High Football coming out uh, for the first uh, show of the season, so... Very excited for that.
0: Yes, so you can come on out to that Thursday. Friday, we're going to be a Big Mill before the KU football game. Our show will be from uh, 3 to 5 o'clock. Kiss Crew is going to be there from 4 to 6 o'clock. And then we also have high school football on Friday. Sam yeah. Speck, Craig Hershiser will be on the Free State game. Myself and Matt Llewellyn will be on the Lawrence High game at 7. Uh, both those will be available on different radio ways. For the LHS game, we're going to be on a video stream of the game with our new uh, kind of internal house video equipment, so that'll be a lot of fun. Yep. How about KU Football having a blackout on Friday?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. There have been mixed reviews. I am personally a big fan of it. What I'm not a fan of, though, is I just don't know how well executed it's going to be considering yeah. this that's, was that's announced like over the weekend.
0: I don't think I saw a single person be like, those jerseys are not cool or like, this yeah, isn't a cool idea. Are I like the yeah. uniforms.
2: It's a night game, so it's going to be even cooler. You do see a few people
0: being like, "But black is not one of their primary colors." There, there no, are certain matter. people who say you should only do jersey colors of your primary jersey colors. I don't no. really care about that no, personally. I don't care about that either. Especially with like black and white, everybody can use black and white. You know, yeah, do a yeah. white out, do a black out. What I like
2: most about it—they're cool. What I like most about it is the black in a night game. That's yes, what I like the most. I agree with that. That's what—that's the coolest part. Yep. I don't think I would—I would still like it if it was just a regular like you know 11 a.m. game or whatever. But I like it
0: even more that it's a night game. No, I think it has to be a night game. Um I, I think that's really cool as part of it. But yeah, you're right. It's the execution of it. How many people own a black KU shirt? Yeah. I mean, a black KU and, You know, they
2: rolled out the black K U shirts at local like rally house areas, at least mm-hmm. in you know, with, with
0: I saw the they're rollout, giving but... out five thousand, the first five thousand students yeah. that want in, still, so that'd be good.
2: I am very skeptical of how much of a blackout it's going to look like.
0: Well, Which usually like, when they do, like at other colleges or other professional games, I've been to like an NBA game, a playoff game once, where they did like a whiteout. Yeah, and they gave they had a white shirt on every chair. Yeah, so that's how you guarantee everybody's <laughs> gonna be wearing white. I, I think they should just do that. Just give every person who enters a black shirt. Yeah, Oh, well, I don't, I don't. Maybe they didn't have the logistical support to do that, or I don't I know. guess.
2: But uh, yeah, so I'm, I am skeptical of what the crowd's gonna look like. Uh, I'm not skeptical of the how, of the number of people that are going to be there. I mean, I'm expecting it to be a pretty I, I would assume this crowd. will be a sellout. It I mean, it be, was, what, 41,000? Yeah, for it, the it should be Stakers. a sellout or very, very close to it, which is awesome. Uh, again, I, I don't, unfortunately, I, I'm not confident in the entire stadium being black, but I think it will still be really cool. And, again, I think the uniforms are really, really cool. Uh, I like everything about them. People love the circus font, obviously. They go crazy for that, so that's cool that it's on there. They got the Warhawk helmets as well with the black helmets, so nothing to complain about with the uniforms uniforms totally sick, totally awesome. Love all that. Love that it's happening for a night game with the blackout. I would have just liked to have seen, uh, a, a quicker or a, a sooner rollout of the idea of making it a blackout game, because you're right because there's, you know, I'm sure like you said, a lot of people probably don't necessarily have black KU gear, right? And how quickly will they be able to acquire some if they're planning on coming to the game? So I don't know, but overall I am very excited for it. Uh, and it's one of those things where, I think this is a situation where the result of the game is going to influence how people view the uniforms. <laughs> like, if KU loses, I th- I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to be like, don't wear black
0: again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. It'll be like the Bill Self thing when they uh, wore red. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, By the way, the best Thursday of the year is coming up. It's all about NFL opening night. Chiefs are going to be back at it. Football's back. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is hooking new customers up with a can't-miss offer to celebrate. Place your first $5 bet on the NFL and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. DraftKings hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. You can bet on the Chiefs game. I know we talked about it earlier in the show. No Travis Kelsey possibly in the game. Chris Jones doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Larry Darius Sneed might be out. Kadarius Tony might be out. But guess what? You still got Patrick Mahomes. You still got 1-5. You still got Andy Reid. Yeah. You're rocking. I'll, I'll yes. say this. I'm rocking with the I, – I don't know that I feel great about giving up 6.5 points. I feel good about the over in this one. I think the Chiefs are
2: going to win by like 30.
0: Okay. I feel great about the over. I okay. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes will bet. still put up points. Lions don't have a great defense. Yeah. Um that yeah, lions then, do have a good wasn't offense. was
2: not the Lions pass defense like the worst in the NFL last
0: season? I don't year? know about the pass. I know running defense, I think they're twenty seventh mm-hmm. in the NFL last season. So you should be able to score on them, even without Travis Kelsey, even without Kadarius Tony, because you yeah. still have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um but your defense without Chris Jones might not be a very good defense and they had I think they were number 7 last year in offense like they had a low-key really good offense last year so I'm in on the over don't wait till kickoff to get in on the hype download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KLWN new customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 that's code KLWN only on DraftKings Sportsbook the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER 21 and older physically present in Kansas bonus bets expire 7 days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Okay, some more uh, KU football talk here uh, before we get into some uh, player audio from the post game coming up in our next segment. Overall, KU wins the game 48 17. Really impressive second half of play. They outscored him 1 in the second half, 31 to 7. You end up covering the spread, I guess, depending where you got it at. No, man. If you got 30, yeah, if you got the final or... line, you're kind of screwed still. yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. But also, if you had the final line, you probably weren't feeling great at halftime that you were even going to get it to begin yeah, with, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, anyway, were were you more impressed with the offense or the defense?
2: Uh, I was definitely more impressed with the defense. Uh, I thought the defensive line looked pretty solid. They were pretty good in the run, uh, which I was pretty impressed by. And they did they did get some pass rush. Uh, nobody really... I mean, some of the transfers jumped out as as kind of more impact guys, but... There wasn't it. There wasn't a Lonnie Phelps, right? We talked right. about it on Friday, heading into the game, and then you know last week about is there go, was somebody on the D line going to have a Lonnie Phelps-esque game where it was like, okay, this dude is going to be somebody you can look to for impact plays. That didn't really quite happen. But overall, I think I definitely was more impressed with the defense, and not necessarily because I thought the defense played great, but you know they, they played well. But just because the offense was so vanilla, the offense was. Uh, able to be very successful, but they didn't really show anything. You know, I mean, this was this was classic Andy Kolnicki going back to last year. They didn't really. There was a lot of the same plays, a lot of the same type of plays. They didn't really sh- want to, really want to show much. But don't worry, Andy Kolnicki <laughs> always always has the playbook wide open for every game. That's what he said. Always every game. He never hides anything. He never holds anything back. That's what he said.
0: Well, okay, so I actually I actually did thought he showed a good amount. Like, I do agree. They probably held some stuff back for the Illinois game. And I, and I do agree. I know what you're referencing. You're referencing the comment where he said everything is on the table. I do yeah. disagree with that. I do think that. I mean, just go back to last year. Last year, yes. they ran the option once or twice, and then that was the primary option week two. They're going to run some stuff that they didn't run in week one. I actually, I was talking to Lawrence Arnold. We'll get to that audio coming up in a bit. I asked him if they used any of the player run plays yet. They said no, not yet. So, like, those are still in the bag. But he did show, like, the Jared Casey quarterback sneak. You know, he did show a couple interesting like passing. They they ran a tight end screen to Trevor Cardell. I do think there was some stuff in there, but I I I'm assuming that a majority of even the non vanilla stuff that they did show, I'm assuming that was with a purpose. Yes, they'll probably have like a counter to that play for either this next week or later in the season. Now, I did
2: like the speed option plays with Jason Bean. Yeah, I think those are I think those are plays that are easy and you can continue to go back to because. With Jason Bean's electric ability on the ground, like you may, if you make the wrong read on that, Jason Bean's gonna score, or you're gonna get a pitch to a Devin Neal or somebody on the outside who can make guys miss on the outside as well.
0: I hadn't really considered that, but now that you're saying it, I think it is it is more beneficial to the KU offense to run speed option with Jason Bean than read option. Hundred percent. We saw yes. sometimes last year he with made Galen, the wrong read. With read yes. option. With Jalen, the read option is much more successful, and, and but with, with Jason, Jason Bean,
2: it's much better to just get him on the perimeter, yeah. And then he can either just accelerate around the corner and use his great speed, or he has the ability to pitch. Yeah, yeah I 100 percent agree with that. The speed option works way way better with Jason Bean, just with bike with with his skill set getting on the perimeter and just saying, all right, all you gotta do is run in a straight line or either pitch
0: it. You know, right. you don't have to do much. With with Jalen though, I think you. You will see a lot less of that and more of the read off No, I agree with that. And then there still was a play that Jason Bean like pitched it way before he should have. But still, <laughs> um, I, I think that does benefit him a little bit more. I I was more impressed, honestly, with the offense than I was the defense. But that's also to be expected because I think the offense is better than the defense. So if you're grading it on a curve, I would be more impressed with the defense than the offense. You know, I, I look at some of the like Pro Football focused grades, for instance. They had an 87.4 in pass rush. They only had one sack. So you, yeah. you like walk away from the game and you're like, oh, you had that sack on what, the first drive of the game? Like how much did you really get since then? You had 14 hurries from then on. You had four more quarterback hits from then on. Uh, you didn't always get sacks, but you had a lot of pressure that that forced incomplete passes. I, I thought the defense was good. You obviously ended up with a couple interceptions in the game. Even though you gave up 17 points, seven of those can be attributed to like the Daniel Highshoff fumble. Realistically, you would have been given up 10 points. So I thought the offense was better. The offensive line was great. You got a lot of surge in pass block. Um, you got a lot of surge in the running game. I mean, you just ran all over them. They couldn't really stop even some of your basic run plays. Those were all great signs. You gave Jason Bean all the time in the world to throw. The receivers were, you know, as expected, really good. Jared Casey was great. The running backs was yeah. great. The Devin Neal uh, touchdown run was awesome. They, all the touchdown runs were great. The Don McDuffie, yeah. the Daniel Hyshaw, Um, Your guy Savion Morrison getting in there. He did, yeah. No, I should, I should have...
2: Uh, did Savion Morrison any time touchdown.
0: Yeah. I should have and I didn't. You should have. Although I didn't really see any player props going around when no, I was I looking didn't on the, the apps. No. I wonder if that had something My to do with the big takeaway was stuff. I think Dylan
2: McDuffie's gonna play a bigger role yes. than maybe we originally thought. Yes. Not that I not that I don't think you and I were like, oh he's never gonna play, but I don't I think he's gonna play a bigger role. I mean this is a guy that's a proven thousand yard rusher at the D one level, right? When you go back to his Buffalo days. So he's definitely got the, the he's definitely got the poise. He's definitely got the ability to run And I think he's somebody we might see a little bit more of. With the wide receiver room, they were good, but I'm nervous about the injuries. I mean, with Luke Grimm, kind of up in the air, we'll see. Uh, So that's interesting. And then the other thing I wanted to point out with the defense that you mentioned was Hayden Hatcher ended up being one of your best pro football focus graded pass rushers Mm -hmm. of the game. Uh, And uh, again, I think Hayden Hatcher is a player where a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he's a system guy, he's been around for a long time, but... You've got Patrick Joyner, you've got Dylan Brooks, you've got these other guys that are much more athletic, much more physically look like looked apart, right? And all this guy Hayden Hatcher does is he just keeps putting his head down and keeps making plays and keeps, you know, forcing KU to say, hey, this guy needs to be on the field. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, very impressive. So I didn't want to point that out.
0: Yeah. Seven tackles, two tackles for loss. I didn't really, like a lot of, I, I would just look up at the stat sheet and I was like, oh, Hayden Hatcher now has this many tackles. He has yeah. this many tackles. He was just making a lot of plays. Yeah, and, another uh, guy I that
2: I wanted to, that I, I would feel remiss without mentioning is Quentin Lassiter. He mm-hmm. had a fantastic game. He graded out pretty well on pro, f- pro football focus and he was involved or near a lot of impact plays. Obviously had the interception. That's not something that I was expecting uh, out, out of him. You know, and that, that then calls into question of, you know, we talked about Demarius McGee. What's his role going to be? Well, if Quentin Lassiter is playing like that, I mean, he's he might even be pushing a guy like Kalen Gervin to, to be on the field more. So that was very, very impressive uh, from him, and I'm curious if that will continue, if he'll continue to, to to kind of be that successful on the outside. But I was pleasantly
0: surprised by Quentin Lassiter. Yeah, I was too. He was good and definitely got in there more than uh, maybe I thought. But yeah, overall, good performance. You did exactly what you should do. Against lesser opponents, against FCS opponents. Yeah. Dominate the game. And even though the game was, was kind of in reach at one point in the first half, even when it was seventeen to ten, even when but, they they had, you know, whatever, tied it or taken the lead. Yeah, they were up ten seven. Yeah, it it didn't feel like they were the better team. It felt no. like you were still the better team. You know, yeah,
2: and my big takeaway from this is this is kind of exactly what you want from an FCS game a game where you were thoroughly the better team yeah. where you pretty much controlled but there's still a lot to still be desired right you feel like you come out of that game and you're saying yeah you know we got a big win but we didn't play to our maximum capability so i think that's kind of the ideal game for you against an fc opponent an fc's opponent because it's not like you just steamrolled and it's oh you got big egos now you think you're you know you think you're hot stuff but also you still controlled and comfortably won so you feel good but you still think there's more you can achieve so i I kind of think it's the ideal way to win a game like that.
0: Yeah, it really is. And you end up winning by 31 in the end. We'll see how much it carries over to week two because – It's a uh, big one this week against Illinois on Friday night. A big one against some big boys. That's right. Yes, very big team, and uh, battle of the line of scrimmage is going to be probably who determines who uh, wins this game. All right, we'll be out at Big Mail before that game, 3 to 5 o'clock, our show for RCST. KISS crew will be there from 4 to 6 o'clock. You can hear that game on Friday right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout. We got some KU football player audio from the post game from Lawrence Arnold, from Jason Bean. And uh, also from another player that on the other side, this is RCST on KLWN depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review. If your platform allows you to do so as you can find the show anywhere, you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think there'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST 1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter,